Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, intuition, manifesting, as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. I've got a remarkable guest walking beside us today on White Shores. Her name is Katie McGrath. She became visually impaired following a brain tumour and she's written a book about her experience, a beautiful book called Heads or Tails, which where she shares with honesty and great eloquence and inspiration her extraordinary story. So I'm absolutely delighted she was able to find the time today to talk to me and share her story. Hello, Katie. Hi, Teresa. It's wonderful to speak to you. I'm honoured. Oh, well, likewise. I'm absolutely honoured. Your book, Heads or Tails, is, is remarkable, as you are. Now, for people who don't know about you or haven't read Heads or Tails or really have no idea what we're going to talk about, who you are, would you mind just take all the time you need to introduce people to yourself? And I, that word journey is a bit cliched, but you, you understand that your story and why you're here today. Yes, of course. My name is Katie McGrath. I have written a book called Heads or Tales. Tales is spelled T-A-L-E-S. And I wanted to use kind of a fun pun. Uh, basically, why I've called it that is because in 2015, my life took a dramatic turn and I felt like my fate changed very quickly, like the flipping of a coin where you would say heads or tails. What happened was I um, began to get excruciating headaches and with the excruciating headaches was distorted vision, uh, which was diagonal zigzag lines and one of my feet would go numb also. Now, why I wasn't concerned at first was because the headaches were infrequent, so I may only get one every few weeks. It wasn't every day. It wasn't consistent. However, on Easter Thursday in 2015, I got an excruciating headache, um, an exceptionally bad one where I was laying on my bed in pain. And there was a not so silent voice in my head telling me to go to the emergency department but I did not listen to it and I regret that now. And I do believe it was something spiritual that was telling me to go to the ED, but I didn't go. And I advise everyone not to take that chance. If you hear a voice or get a very strong gut instinct, it could be somebody telling you, giving you advice and telling you, you need to do this and you need to do it urgently. So that's one of the most kind of important things I talk about in my book listening to your gut instincts, listening to, sorry, listening to your gut instincts and listening 
to what your voice in your head is telling you. And um, so basically the headache that night did subside, luckily. Um, but by May, um, on Monday night of the last week of May, the headache, a uh, very bad headache returned that night. And uh, I was actually feeling nauseous, which was a new symptom. So I went to Southdoc, which in Ireland is a kind of an out of hours doctor. And uh, it's kind of a clinic. So I went there. He diagnosed it as a bad migraine. And I can't fault him in that because some people who do just get migraines get those similar symptoms. So he advised me to take the next day off work and just rest. He did say also that if the migraines persisted to go back to my own doctor and uh, get it checked out more, even maybe a scan or see what they advised me to do. So I took the next day off work, went into work on Wednesday. Uh, again, the headaches con uh, continued until Friday. And before I drove home from work, it was about a 20 minute drive. I said a prayer and I think I was urged to say a prayer that day um, because I did feel uh, a bit mentally impaired because of the pain I was getting from the headache. Um, so I said a prayer, I made a 20 minute drive home safely and I wasn't home long when I started to feel very nauseous. I went to the bathroom um, and after that I don't remember until I woke up on the hallway tiles. Um, which again was was a big shock. I passed out, but again, I think it was a miracle because I passed out in our downstairs bathroom, which is very small, but I'd managed to uh, fall out onto the hallway tiles. So I didn't injure myself. I didn't have a scratch on myself. I could have hit my head off the sink in the bathroom or the toilet. And I think it may be related to my husband, Donal, previous year had felt faint in the bathroom and he had um, actually managed to kind of manoeuvre himself that he'd fall into the hallway instead of in the bathroom. So I'm not sure if I somehow remembered that or I was definitely helped spiritually, I'm, I'm sure of that. So I managed to get myself up off the floor and with very slurred speech, I said, uh, dear God, dear angels, please help me. And um, I went into the front room and then I thought it was hallucinating because I saw Donald walk up the driveway, which was unusual because every Friday he, he went to a spinning class, which he never missed. But that Friday he'd forgotten his trainers. And again, I think it was a blessing. So, really? yeah, it was it was very unusual. He he never even forgot his trainers. So we contacted South Stock. In hindsight, we should have just rang an ambulance. But again, we panicked. We went over to them. They, uh, I wasn't feeling well again. Um, I don't remember afterwards what happened, but I didn't come back from the bathroom. Donald knew there was something very uh, dangerous about this. And um, he went to the bathroom where I was and he managed, he heard me making loud gurgling and moaning sounds. And um, he somehow managed to burst open the door. I was after passing out again and vomiting. And um, he called the doctor. Uh, we were we were brought straight to A&E. Thankfully, where the south dock was, there was also an ambulance bay. So I was able to get an ambulance straight away. So I um, went to the hospital. They did a CT scan. They could see a black mass and fluid in the brain. So um 
they immediately uh, booked me in for a drainage procedure which would drain the fluid from my brain. So um, thankfully they had I had been brought to the hospital in time and the next day I was in recovery and I was sent for an MRI and the MRI showed then they were able to diagnose that it was a tumour called cranium. Yeah, called craniofringioma, which is a rare benign tumour. I've had it since birth. It hasn't done any, it didn't do any harm. Um, I had no headaches up to the age of 36, uh, which, which, which can happen. It can remain dormant in some people for their whole lives, or it can become active in when you're a child, as a teenager. It's there, there, and there's no way they don't. Is there any trigger for it? Is there anything that would trigger it to 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 erupt? Yeah, like I I did ask them that, and they weren't able to to really give me a reason why it did erupt when it did, because it seems to affect people at different ages. And I was thinking, I was trying to you know think of ideas myself. I had started a new job. I was a bit stressed from that, and. So I, I they, they, they just couldn't give me a reason. There wasn't a reason, to be honest, uh, why it did start when it did. Um, but thankfully, it was caught in time. But what followed was a, a very um, tumultuous few months. And my recovery after that was very slow. Um, I did have to go back. That was May, June. I had to go back in September because my vision became blurry. Um, in the operation, they were at the first craniotomy, they were able to remove most of the tumour in the cyst, but they had to leave part of it there because it was attached to the hypothalamus. So they couldn't remove it, it was too dangerous. So unfortunately, my vision became blurry, which was different to previous when my vision was distorted. They did an mm. MRI, yeah, they did an MRI in September and they uh, they knew they needed to operate again. They said that it had resprouted the cyst. The cyst, in a, in a strange way, it was there to protect the body against the tumour. But what was happening uh, was the cyst was filling up with fluid, which can be detrimental. So they had to they had to remove as much as they could again. And this time they inputted or inserted a shunt or a reservoir, so that if I needed, if the cyst resprouted and they needed to drain more fluid, they could do it without um, an invasive operation. They could do it by aspirations, which is sticking a needle kind of into the side of my head near where this the shunt was and draining it externally that way. And yeah, so it was a very traumatic few months and um, that wasn't kind of the end of it. What happened then was they knew they needed to do radiotherapy but by, they needed to wait a few weeks after the craniotomy to do radiotherapy because my head would have been uh, still repairing and the skull and the whole area. But before they could do radiotherapy, my vision got uh, blurry again. This is October. So uh, when it got blurry again, I came back. They did an MRI. The cyst had resprouted again. And they said, look, the, the neurosurgeons in CUH, which is Cork University Hospital, which were fantastic. They said, look, you do need another operation, but you do need radiotherapy. So your best, our best plan is to send you to another hospital in Dublin. I live in County Cork, which is about a two and a half hour drive from Dublin. Um, and this time they'll do the operation up your nose. 
it's called an endonasal endoscopy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I uh, I was uh, admitted to Beaumont Hospital in Dublin soon after, and they did the operation. Um, everything went well this time. Um, the bandage covered my nose, and previous times it was obviously my head. Um, it was quite challenging because um, I couldn't blow my nose or sneeze for a whole month. If I and my nose ran constantly because of the operation and the, the gauze or packing they'd put up, but it's all natural after an operation like that. And um, what they said, if you sneeze or blow your nose, you could leak brain fluid. So you would have to come straight back up to Beaumont and we would have to repair it. So for a full month, I was petrified. I did actually sneeze one, one night in my sleep. And thankfully they said a way of seeing if you have leaked brain fluid is red or brown droplets. Thankfully, there was no droplets then or throughout the four weeks, but I couldn't wait for the month to be over. I bet. Yes. Oh, wow. wow. And then I guess you began uh, the long process of recovery, which I guess you're still in. Yes. Yeah. What I happened? How, how has obviously there must have been gradual improvement. Um, and I'd love to know what gave you the idea to write the book um when that moment came sorry i'm interrupting your story i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> oh no you're fine. it's good to ask questions uh just before i finish up um uh, before the after that last operation in dublin i then i then had to do 28 sessions of radiotherapy they just wanted to make sure that they could definitely that it would uh, you know deflate in size which it did thanks to radiotherapy. However, before uh, I was finished the radiotherapy, I had one last scare, or it seemed like a nightmare at the time. The cyst actually expanded because of the heat from the radiotherapy. It either expanded or became inflamed. So they had to put me on um, a very strong potent steroid called dexamethasone. Um, so I had to stay on that for a few weeks, and it caused... Um, a few very kind of unsavory side effects like um, sleep deprivation at night. Uh, you'd be very hypersensitive to sound. You'll be just sensitive in general. But thankfully, and after a lot of prayer between the dexamethasone and the radiotherapy, they did another MRI in February 2016, and the the process had worked, and I was I was very relieved and very thankful. And then that's when my real recovery started. Wow, people listening, it's, it's it's we all think that we have we all have personal dramas and traumas, but listening to you really puts it into perspective because you really have been to hell and back, really physically. But what what's remarkable about you, and I noticed that when we were in touch um, <clears throat> via email as well, is that. You are so, you use words like grateful, thankful, miracle. There's no sort of like sense with you of why me? Or I'm sure that you've had your moments, but that's not what you, you project. And that, that's the same thing with, with heads or tails and that you are this awful experience which would challenge anyone, anyone. It's almost like you are stronger because of it. Would, would that be an accurate assessment that you've kind of found a meaning through it 
and a spiritual awakening, which might not have happened before. Yes, I, I agree with you, definitely. I mean, there were a lot of times where I was uh, I was very traumatized and what helped me through that was counseling and I advise everyone to mind your mind, mind your mental health. I had to um, go through a lot of counseling um, and I was thankful that there were organizations out there that gave it to me at a reduced price because at this stage I, I hadn't gone back to work. Um, and, uh, you know, so our finances were low and there are organizations in Ireland like Cus Came, which is Irish for Footstep. Um, another organization that helped me with phone counseling was National Council Blind Ireland. Uh, because I had, um, I'm I, again, I'm very appreciative that I still have a lot of my vision, but I've, I, I, I have sight loss and enough sight loss that I cannot drive anymore, which is heartbreaking. It's, one, it's been one of the biggest losses and I grieve constantly for that. But I, through counselling and just through journaling, I did a lot of writing and journaling. I just realised positivity is better than negativity. Um, it puts you on a better mindset. It can not only help you, but it can help people around you. And I'm always telling my friends and family, try and, try and think of the positive in situations because negativity is very damaging, as well as another thing that I found myself doing that I stopped doing was comparing myself to friends. Yes. Um, they were moving on with their lives. I felt my life was stuck. I felt like I was in quicksand. For a very long time, um, my life didn't get back to normal. And um, like when I was in recovery, I had to adhere to a new uh, steroid regime. Um, I now take steroids every day. I'm steroid dependent. Um, my body can't produce cortisol anymore, which is the stress hormone, which helps your body fight infections. Um, so I have to take that twice a day. Now I also have to take thyroid medication. So um, there are a lot of changes in my life, especially with the driving, um, because uh, I was so traumatized, I did actually gain a lot of weight. Um, I was just, I was physically and mentally in a lot of pain. And at the time that helped me cope. So I had to go through a period of trying to lose that weight for my health and for myself. Um, and I did that through the help of Slimming World. and. Um, I'm very proud of, of that. I call it a personal victory um, because uh, my hypothalamus has been affected by the tumour. So not only is it harder for me to lose weight with the steroids and the thyroid, the, the, um, my thyroid being affected, but with your hypothalamus, I'm constantly thinking about food. So I have to yeah. distract myself constantly and I have managed to lose three and a half stone. Oh, congratulations. I mean, but you, more than anyone, um, have every right to feel kind of sorry for yourself and that life has given you a raw deal. You must have your dark night of the soul. When you have that, how do you pull yourself through? What I tend to do is I pray. Um, I pray for help. I pray for strength. Um, what I find very good is talking to my husband, Donald, talking to family and friends. Don't ever under, underestimate prayer and just talking it out, venting. It's the right people around you, isn't it? It's finding exactly. those right people. 
it has to be the right supportive people the right the right network when you say prayer i guess would you feel i mean there's a lot of interest at the moment in manifesting that term law of attraction you know how your thoughts create your reality would you say that when you're praying that you're in some ways manifesting for the, the inner strength to help you deal with the hand that life has dealt dealt you yeah without a doubt i mean I pray not only for myself but for my family. But when I pray for myself, I pray for I pray for strength. I prayed for this book to be uh, published because I know I can help a lot of people. I pray for um, just staying positive and yeah. not focusing on the positive instead of the negative, and yeah. you know just just always trying to find the good in every situation. You are an absolute inspiration, Katie. You. you really are. As I say, anyone listening, I know, I hope you stop what you're doing, sit somewhere safe and, and just listen to this remarkable lady. But also what would really help is to, to read her book um, where she shares this story and how she coped that you could use her experience to cope in your own life if you're going through hard times and know that, you know, if you are going through a hard time, the chances are it won't be as tough as what this lady's currently going through. I know we all have our own personal issues, but you could really get a lot of help um, coping strategies from this book and also to learn about some a condition you may not be aware of. And personal stories, I think, are often best way to teach spiritual techniques and techniques for inner meaning and and growth and why we're here on this planet why these things happen would you say that's why you wrote it as well not just as a cathartic way of talking about what happened to you because that could be quite healing isn't it to share your story but was it also to to empower readers that if they're going through their own dark night of the body mind and soul to have have some coping strategies definitely and i want to just advise people that if they are getting the gut, a gut instinct to go to the emergency department to um, not ignore those signs uh when it happened to me on easter thursday night i was deterred by the queues in the emergency department about waiting times i advise people don't be deterred by that if you have a gut instinct and even if it's not health-wise if it's something else listen to the the inner voice and sometimes it's that voice is very repetitive. It'll keep saying it to you. It'll shout it instead of talk to you about it. And um, and I've just learned from from my own experience that you need to listen to it. Like um, I I actually journaled first before I typed and printed the book, and uh, I was journaling and I was debating whether or not to make it into into a book, and I re- repeatedly heard a voice say to me write the book and it would not it did not go away until I actually start like made the decision to publish the book and thankfully my sister-in-law who lives in Nashville uh, was able to publish it for me and she gave me she's written books herself and um, her name is Jennifer McVeigh Barry and uh, she gave me a lot of advice about shortening sentences not repeating words and um, you know, tactics that somebody who hadn't written a book before wouldn't know. And like I actually edited the book myself as well. It was kind of like teamwork. 
and I never realized how much work goes into editing a book until I did it myself. <laughs> yeah, people think it's just you know it's not, is it? It's a, it's a whole process, isn't it? Um, you know, I've been been in publishing many years. There's a, often there's teamwork in it involved as well and um but you've done a fine job um, huge congratulations and I would love loads and loads of people to read read this book and be inspired and moved and informed by it as well I mean what you say about that inner voice gentle and repetitive and how we often ignore it because of minor things like cues and I love what you're saying there because that can really help people know when you've got this it's it's kind of calm, isn't it? That in inner voice, the intuition. It's, don't you agree? I it agree. Yeah, it's calm, but it's loud. I find yeah. it's it's shouting at you. It's not talking to you. It wants you to hear it, and I felt sometimes it won't go away until you say, "Okay, I'm listening." We make all sorts of excuses not to listen to it, don't we? I've done that myself. All sorts of excuses, you know, um, to to do something that's and remain in our comfort zone often isn't it because we don't like going out of our comfort zone and often that voice it sort of drags us kicking and screaming outside in our comfort zone to do something um and we don't like it so <laughs> you know and you you describe that that um so eloquently thank you so much but looking at your life now this is a big question Your experience has become so much a part of you now and you've written a book, which is a life goal for many people. So huge congratulations for doing that. A lot of people say they want to write a book and then they never get around to it. Thank you. If you could live your life again without this, what would you choose? This is a tough question. I think, to be honest, I wouldn't be the person I am today if what happened to me, you know, hadn't happened. I I feel I'm a lot stronger. I'm a lot more... um, assertive proactive outgoing and I and what was strange is I could never I have a degree in business studies but I was never fully satisfied in the jobs I worked in and and I always liked kind of writing and even kind of like you know entering competitions and stuff where I could write and, and and could create a bit of creative writing so there is absolutely no way I would have had the courage to write a book and to even give people hope because I've had a lot of friends read the book who know my story and said, uh, applauded me on my honesty in the book, applauded me on the positivity, on mm-hmm. what I'm willing to offer. Some people have gone through even worse things than me, but maybe they feel they don't have the bravery to share it. Um, but it was very strange. I felt compelled to share it. Um, you know, it was just constantly in my thoughts, even I can't drive anymore. So before COVID, I used to be on the bus a lot. And um, I, if ideas came into my head for the book, I would type them into my phone and then add them to the story. It was a very long process. But I, in, in a way, it has been a blessing. And um, obviously, I, in a way, I wish I, it hadn't happened and that I could continue my life mm-hmm. as normal. But mm-hmm. in another way, I, I try again to look at the positives and think I would not have written this book, a book that I hope will reach many people, inspire them, give them hope. So it's a story of an extraordinary uh, spiritual awakening in many ways and, and finding meaning out of trauma and crisis, which I guess the whole world right now, because of COVID, collectively, we're all trying to find meaning out of what's happened with the pandemic. And um 
typically in times of crisis and trauma, we look within. Um, so perhaps there is some positive coming from what's going on in the world. But anyway, let's get back to you, Katie. I mean, I very much sense that physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically and spiritually, you were pushed towards writing this book in a almost a heaven sent way. Um, that it's like the angels working through you to create this. Because I wonder if you 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 likely wouldn't have done it if it hadn't happened. But if if the person you are now could go back 10 years and talk to the person you were before it happened, what would she say? I would say, like the, I know this is a famous phrase, but don't sweat the small stuff. Um, oh. I was always a quite an anxious person. I still am. That won't go away, but I know how to manage it better. I put things more into perspective. Um, I feel I am very more proactive. Um, I feel I can. Ha- I want to help people more. You also, when you go through something like I went through, you get a lot of empathy for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, and spiritually as well, I'll just tell you one example. And um, it really spoke to me at the time when I came home from Beaumont, the night I came home, I was falling asleep and I saw the vision of a young male relative sitting at the end of my bed. And I didn't feel threatened by it. Um, I felt like his back was towards me, but in a way I kind of understood what it meant was that he's he had my back in a way and he was going before me, he was going to help me, he was going to guide me. Um, and I think, you know, uh, we can all receive these kind of um, messages through different ways, but that for me was, was a very strong, powerful uh, message. And I also felt when I was in CUH and Beaumont, there were two incidences where I know I was definitely given a nudge by like spiritually to help people because there was a man in Cork and Dublin I'd had my operations and they were going for theirs and it just happened to be the same operation as mine, a craniotomy. And I was able to tell, reassure them that it was going to be okay. They'd recovery, they'd recover afterwards. I kind of said, look at me. I only had the operation a few days ago. And when I spoke to both of them, I could feel the tension break in their face and their voice. They needed somebody just to reassure them that I'd gone through the same situation that they would be okay, they would recover because when I had my first craniotomy, I was petrified. It was the scariest night of my life. I just didn't think, and it was my fear that I would survive. I was told I'd be having a five-hour operation. And in my own head, I thought, what will the surgeons be doing for five hours in my head? And, you know, I, I really didn't actually know whether I'd survive if I'd wake up from the operation. Obviously I did, and it was my own fear, but it's a very common fear, um, especially if you've never had any type of operation, especially an invasive brain operation. And I felt so glad that I was able to help these two people. And what was even nicer is um, they both thanked me afterwards. The first guy in Cork, he sent a friend up to me to say thank you. In Dublin, the man sent his wife. She came into the room I was in and said, you don't realise how much it meant that you spoke to my husband and you calmed him down. And that's what I want. I want to help people. And, you know, um, being unwell and being in recovery, it's it's invoked a lot of new kind of qualities in me that I hadn't seen before. And I do want to help people. And I, and I do want to let people know you're well, not on your own. A mark of 
authentic spiritual awakening and and healing is that after deep pain loss trauma crisis that you emerge also with a sense of of meaning and purpose but alongside that it, it, the defining thing is that you want it to to serve a greater good and that's exactly what you 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 just said um oh thank you so so much katie um I've been really by, by what you're saying and I'm humbled and in awe and inspired by you. I truly am. And I hope everyone listening is inspired too. Um, so please, could you share where people can find out about you or order a copy of Heads or Tails? Yes, I have my own website. It's HTTPS KTBMcGraw.com. Um, all of my information is there. I can just tell you now while I'm speaking that you can buy the book on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle form. You can buy it on Waterstones. Um, a lot of um, a lot of uh, bookshops can order the book for you as well uh, through distributor. And uh, Book Depository also has it. Um, just to give you an example, I was highly impressed. I worked in Scotland for a year um, 10 years ago and a lady I worked with contacted me and said she was able to order my book go into a shop in the highlands of Scotland and order my book and it was you know she was wonderful so I was delighted (laughs) so please do check this this wonderful lady out everyone listening please do and let me know your thoughts um and just before you go Katie three rapid fire questions I I um torture every one of my guests on this season of White Shores with. <laughs> it's, just, it's released in the festive season. So um, some lighthearted questions. Your first one is, what, what do you make of dreaming? I mean, I'm well known as a dream decoder. What do you think dreams are? I think dreams can. Sometimes dreams are just silly. There's no sense in them. But I actually do try and decode dreams myself. And my my husband, Donald, and family and friends think I'm actually very good at it. Um, I bet you are. <laughs> Yeah, you just try and break down a dream, see what's really behind it. And so I do actually think there can be meaning in dreams. And I think if you dream of deceased loved ones, it could be seen as like a visitation from them. Um, And it's their way of of connecting with you. They may be able to do it in any other way. But when you're asleep and you're relaxed, they, they may be able to do it. So I think there can be a lot of meaning in dreams. And I think it is good for some people if they are looking for meaning in their lives, to maybe uh, keep a dream journal um, just to see if there's any consistency because we can actually receive messages that way as well. Um, Perfect. Perfect. This is, I love it. Thank you so much. That's um, in line with my my thinking too, as you know. Second question, rapid fire astrology, massively popular right now especially since covid a lot of people are using it as a psychological self-help tool do you know your sun sign and are you true to your sun sign i just know my star sign i mean, uh, i i think that's different that's your sun sign yeah that's the yeah. Sun sign. yeah yeah i'm i'm capricorn i was born in january and I'm... <sighs> greta thunberg sign she's a capricorn very very um you know you you are very deter- determination sums up Capricorns for me. Yeah, definitely. You just showcased that perfectly. Um, and vision as well. Get to that top of that mountain. Yeah. Like, you know, the, you know, the symbol of the goat, isn't it? Get to the top of the mountain for the bigger view. And uh, <laughs> I feel that's where you are right now, just enjoying the scene. 
Katie. And then the final question, uh, the 12 Days of Christmas, that um, song that we hear in stores and all around us in the festive time of year. Now, this isn't a religious podcast. It's a spiritual one. It's non-denominational. However, the 12 Days of Christmas has grabbed me because I'm trying to find out the meaning and I'm asking my listeners to explain to me why every Christmas we need to know about partridges in pear trees, turtle doves, French hens, calling birds, gold rings, geese are laying, swans are swimming, maids are milking, ladies dancing, lords are leaping, pipers piping and drummers drumming. And if there's any one of those 12 um, uh, days, is there a symbol in there that really speaks to you intuitively? And if, which you know the meaning of, or that um, you would want on Christmas morn. <laughs> um, to be honest, I don't read too much into it. I think it's more of a kind of a traditional type thing. We like yep. traditions, especially at Christmas. To be honest, I just love Christmas, spending time with family and friends. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a nice song that everyone can sing together. Again, it brings unity. Um, it's a very positive, happy song. So um, yeah. I'm actually, I don't really know the words to it, to be honest. Well, I tell you, I'll, I'll run through. So just yeah. let your intuition settle on one of these symbols that you'd okay. like your true love to give you. Okay. <laughs> a partridge in a pear tree, a turtle dove, a French hens, calling birds, golden rings, geese are laying, swans are swimming, maids are milking, ladies dancing, lords are leaping, pipers piping, or drummers drumming. Um. Drummer's drumming would be a good one because... Oh, I'm... we've got a drummer's drumming. <laughs> Is that the celebration? It's celebration and it's kind of like um, my husband loves drum and bass music. So, uh, okay. <laughs> so the first thought that came into my head. Um, like drums are can create a lot of um, nice sound in the background. Um, actually, it's a, healing, it's, a heal, it's, a, it's a method of healing, actually. I yeah. thought it in hospitals getting patients to do drumming. Yeah, I'm and sure it's, I read that somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Drove, Even people intu- intuition would drive you to that. Yeah, and it's it like, you know, banging on drums as well. That could be therapeutic, you know, if you had a bit of um, pent up anger, just bang away, bang away. Like, obviously, don't break the drums now. <laughs> <laughs> but just, it's kind of like a release. It's like what I think uh, journaling is if you're. If you're having, um, you know, if you're feeling a bit dejected by journaling, and I mean with paper and pen, which I did, you can connect more with the words. Um, oh, I love that. And actually, it makes me think of that that movie, Love Actually, which is always on at Christmas and how the little boy, he takes up drumming. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a wonderful film. Yeah. <laughs> must Fantastic. be every, every festive season, Love Actually. I love yeah, that it's, film. it's it's one of the most there was a show on tv and it's one of the shows one of the films that people it does really remind people of christmas and i love miracle and 34th street as well that's great oh these christmas movies yes but yeah let's finish on that the 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 positivity of love actually is all around and you're showcasing that katie by spreading goodwill and positivity from a very dark place um you're remarkable and I'm truly honoured you took the time today. Thank you so much for all you are and all you do. Thank you. And it was an honour for me to speak to you. I'm a big fan. Um, I've read a lot of your books. I've, I've, I'm connected to your podcasts. I've heard them. And I've oh. seen you on. <laughs> you know the drill. There with me. My dog is actually on my lap as we're speaking now. And he's been very quiet for you. 
Um, it's like he knows. He d you know, don't you? Hmm? What's, what's <laughs> your dog's name? Earth angel, Arnie. Arnie. Hi, Arnie. I named him that after the Terminator. Oh. Because uh, he's a small dog, so he needs a big name. Oh. <laughs> like clear into the other doggies. <laughs> oh, I bet he's very well behaved. Be afraid. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. Lots and lots of love. Thank you so much as well. It was an honor. Thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind, compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve. If you have any questions, stories or insights to share, I absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course. My website is www.teresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, the Teresa Chung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude.